Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Tell your chico pit boomers 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. On today's show, we've got our first little bit of Disney Plus data. And then on top of that, we are discussing those Avengers Endgame deleted scenes and also some deleted scenes from the Star Wars original trilogy on Movie Talk. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Disney Plus edition of Collider Movie Talk. It's all anybody's discussing right now, and there also is a ton of content on the service that is well worth digging through, and I have the pleasure of doing that today with Haley Fouch. Hello. And... Fat Williams. What? What's what? Up? I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed you, to be on the other. What am I doing here? This is your this, this is your first right. movie talk after working on how many of them? Oh god, yes. This is my first time on this side of the desk for movie talk. I'm exciting. happy to be here. You dressed appropriately That's, too, yeah. Haley. You didn't get the memo. I sure didn't. You dressed for <laughs> witching hour. It's fine. I dressed in honor of the momentous occasion. I thought I'd, I'd bring a little formality to I the like event. It. <laughs> formality what's that i do not know all right let's dig into some of this information here our first story today is going to be some of the stats that we've got on how disney plus is doing thus far so we've got a report from variety and According to uh, their resources, apparently Disney Plus users worldwide collectively spent 1.3 million hours streaming the service, which is more than the total viewing through Amazon Prime and also Roku apps in the three countries where Disney Plus is available. And then on top of that, we've got some information on exactly how many times the app has been downloaded. In the first 24 hours, Disney Plus was downloaded 3.2 million times, according to a research firm called Aptopia. About 89% of the downloads were in the U.S., 9% in Canada, and 2% in the Netherlands. By comparison here, for what that's worth... Aptopia estimates that Netflix's app was downloaded 662,000 times globally. So 
Yeah. What what do you make of this and how much is this kind of information worth at this point? I mean, I don't know if this data makes any point whatsoever. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad to hear that they had a big successful launch day. They had a lot of technical problems that they even had to own up to on Twitter for a little while. They said it was uh, exceeding their high expectations. Which I think they had that in their back pockets no matter what. <laughs> we all knew that they were going to have a technical snafu at some point because there were going to be three million mm-hmm. people trying to download the app all at once. Uh, but we can't compare apples and oranges with the number of Netflix downloads in the same period because most people already have Netflix downloaded on their phones. So I, I, I don't know what this number means in comparison to what Netflix is doing. To make it more convoluted for you, Haley, mm. disclaimers here. So apparently Aptopia's numbers are extrapolated projections based on a set of assumptions. And then on top of that, <laughs> Disney Plus is offering a free seven-day trial, and it's reasonable to assume that a certain portion of the people won't actually ultimately become paying subscribers. So does that lessen the value of these numbers to you? Significantly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, there's really no benchmark anyway unless let's say we had firm numbers on what apple just did versus what disney just did that would be something of value comparable to big launches from two mega companies and that might show us something about the various appeal of their their different programming or the the volume of that programming but all we have here are like he said apples and oranges not really comparable numbers. And even if we were to look at something like Netflix launch numbers, those mm-hmm. wouldn't really be valuable either because it's a totally different scenario. So are these Netflix numbers, because we were talking about this before we started, is that from the same like period of time as far as launch goes or the same hours as in yesterday? I think it's the same hours as in yesterday from what I can glean from that report, which it, to me, yeah, I, I don't think that it's new subscribers per se. I think it's just, you know, enough, enough, enough people that had extra space on their phone and they re-downloaded Netflix. I, I, I know, I think we were saying earlier that Apple, uh, Disney plus isn't going to fully announce their stuff until their earnings call next February, February 2020. So we're not going to know for months until, uh, actually how many people are paying subscribers month to month. Plus Verizon wireless customers get a year free. A lot of people downloaded the found, uh, added the founder circle where they prepaid for three years of Disney plus on launch day. So I think it's, it's, going to be a lot of fluctuations between now and then do you think that it is inevitable that in the future with how things are changing that we will ultimately wind up with the box office mojo equivalent of streaming services is anybody ever going to be forced to give us real data oh uh i do think that as a uh, industry we're uh, may kind of in a worrying way moving away from transparency of data and viewership mm-hmm. numbers and all of that I think that Netflix has certainly set a precedent, and if they can get away with it, why would anyone else not do that? Unless, you know, what Netflix has decided they like doing is showing off their best numbers, right? But that's not really a full spectrum. That's why all of this sort of number and data reporting is a little something I'm quite skeptical of, especially when you're describing, like, it's based on a set of assumptions and all of that. I'm... Without transparent data and without a a certain volume of it, there's not much you can learn from it. It's just a number to throw around. And that certainly sounds good for Disney. And it... If that number is accurate, it, it points us in the direction of the, the potential success of the streaming service, but we would need a lot more numbers to draw any actual conclusions of value from it. Yep. 
couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, very well put, Haley. I, I think, uh, I honestly, I think looking back at the HBO subscribers uh, was is, is a very interesting comparison because for many years pre Game of Thrones, HBO would ignore the Nielsen numbers that were saying their shows uh, were getting you know four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand viewers compared to the networks which were getting millions of Nielsen numbers, and they would say, yeah, forget that stuff. We have this many subscribers, and these are power users. These are higher end uh, uh, advertising partners that we can we have their data, and so I think it's not really a about individual shows it is about subscribers and whether or not netflix says they get 40 million views on some adam sandler movie in one day uh, we never know if that's actually accurate but they do have to report actual earnings in those earning calls so it's the subscriber counts that i'm worried about I can't wait to find out what those numbers are. It's like even in discussing this right now, it crossed my mind. It's like, yeah, 3.2 million app downloads seems like a very fancy headline. But would my would my thoughts on it be any different if they said six million downloads? Probably not. And that's close to doubling that number. It still wouldn't add any value to me. Yeah. And I mean, on launch day or the night before launch day, whenever they uh, whenever they showed up in the app store, I downloaded the app. My wife downloaded the app, and the next morning I installed it on my TV. So like that's three app downloads right there for one account. So app downloads does not necessarily even equate to subscribers. I think uh, this particular report is this is only mobile apps. So like that's another thing yeah. that's important to take into account is that people downloaded probably on so many different platforms. I watched um, on my uh, on my uh, Google Chrome, so I didn't even download an app yet. But I am a Disney Plus subscriber, so there is a lot more data we're going to need out there in the very near future, hopefully. I'm curious that what's been your experience thus far with Disney Plus? Pros, cons, uh, glitches? I, I haven't had a lot of glitches. I'm still very confused as to why they waited until launch day to actually add the apps to the stores. Uh, I don't know if it was because they wanted this big splashy number. Uh, I personally, as a consumer, would assume that it would make more sense to launch the app days, if not weeks in advance, and then just have a landing page for people to sign up. And so I feel like some of the glitches might have been avoidable if they had had everyone download the app on, say, November 1st as a way to kind of stomp on Apple's launch and download the app when it, the first day it was available, sign up for one month, three years, whatever, and then on the 12th, just turn on the faucet as opposed to the way it was where every single app store, you, were, you weren't just dealing with Disney Plus's servers, you were also dealing with Apple's app server or Samsung's uh, server or the Roku, mm -hmm. it really kind of depended on what at, what service you had first. Because I, I think Android launched maybe an hour before the App Store launched, and so everyone was posting on Twitter like, "Oh, my app's available now." Oh, um, I'm still waiting on mine, or I'm on the East Coast and I'm able to see it, and I'm not. And so, you know, it it, it felt like it was a little haphazard in that respect. There's I don't so really know what the could have done too. If I don't they, know what the rationale was. Some sort of like soft or a pre-launch. Like I would have loved to have been able to. I don't know. Like start putting together a watch list or flagging things or just getting used to the interface. Not that the interface is that difficult to navigate. I think probably the one thing in spending an extra day with it now that bugs me a little bit also because later in the show we're going to be talking about a lot of the extras, specifically deleted scenes. 
it it seems funny to me that when I finish a deleted scene, I'm brought back to the main menu for that specific movie and not back to additional deleted scenes, or there's no sort of functionality that lets you watch all the deleted scenes straight through. There's just something about that. I mean, it's not the biggest deal in the world. It's, what, two extra clicks. It just doesn't feel intuitive to me. So that's like the only new thing that I found that's bugging me a little bit. I noticed the exact same thing this morning. I don't know if you had that on the, on the, were you on the web version? Web. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, I think they'll, they'll work on functionality and things like that. And it may not work to our advantage. I think that everyone's annoyed with how Netflix works now because they're driven by their need to show you more content. So that's why everything's always auto playing and you just want it to stop. Please stop. So for right now, I'll actually take the, what we have on Disney plus where it's nice and quiet and still, and you can click around and find what you want instead of having it thrown at you. I do want to throw out, there's just a new report that uh, Disney is saying that they had over 10 million signups already. 10 million subscriptions. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Does that I'm include kidding. all those yeah. pre-sale yeah, and founder Verizon. circle things? Oh, and the Verizon thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's including free subscriptions and maybe trial subscriptions. Are there any comparisons in that report? I don't know why now that 10 million seems underwhelming to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Maybe very... it's because you just threw out the 40 million viewers for whatever Netflix had announced, which, you know, how, how much weight do you put in and number like that. Anyway. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I still don't think those numbers are real at all. And I mean, yeah. I know Nielsen's gotten a little bit better with their reporting on streaming service uh, viewership. Uh, I've, I've always had problems with Nielsen because it was also an estimate of an extrapolation mm-hmm. of a projection. Uh, it wasn't actual actual downloads. And, and I think in today's era of data protection, people don't want to necessarily allow these companies mm-hmm. to see every single thing that they're watching. Mm-hmm. They We all know that Netflix and Amazon and Disney are listening to us and Google is listening to us and they know what we're watching, but they don't necessarily want to be included in those in those uh, data privacy uh situation. So I, I, I have no idea what how many people are watching anything at this point. It's all just kind of like water cooler extrapolations based on what's trending on Twitter. And well, Instagram definitely knows what I'm buying because all I have on my feed right now are watch bands and cat toys. <laughs> <laughs> They're always listening. I uh, You can actually look in your Instagram somewhere and see what you've been marked down to no. advertise for. And there's some weird stuff in there that you, you're like, I've never searched for that in my life. I can't uh, wait to go look at this I lady. highly you encourage you, all of us, to, to see how you've been sort of labeled to marketers. For your interests, cat toys, watch bands, t-shirts, and all birds. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds my right. life. Yeah. And, and now that you've said those words in oh, my no. presence, my phone is yeah, now exactly. going to advertise those to me when I get uh, go, get off the show. I haven't worn a watch since I was like ten, so don't bother. Um, <laughs> I do want to say in the report that says this is Variety's report, by the way, but it notes that analysts had predicted or had projected Disney Plus would achieve eight million subscribers out of the gate, so they appear to be uh, above projection. Okay, by two million, not, not right. bad, pretty I mean, good. Yeah, I wonder also. Uh, you know what the next layer of the report is going to be in terms of household viewers too because I think that's something we haven't quite figured out I know we covered uh, password sharing issues a while back so I think the deal with Disney Plus is that it doesn't let you do concurrent streams is that the main way it detects if someone's password sharing I my understanding is 10 Ooh, I don't want to be wrong about this but this is what I read yesterday and I hope it's correct and please let me know if I'm wrong uh 10 sign-ins per account and four concurrent views. Oh. 
Okay. Uh, which is closer to... That sounds so much when I say it, it out loud, like but I swear I read that yesterday. Let's double check that. I don't okay. want to be in the business of giving false hopes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what the, what the actual number is, uh, I, but you would think that it because it is a family service that they would expect yeah. some concurrent viewing if yeah. the kid's watching something in, the, in one room and the parents are watching something in the other room. Uh, and Especially if you have a bundle. Right. You've got, I don't know how that would even work. That's a whole nother question. Yeah. Because <laughs> if, yeah, if one parent's, wa- I mean, if, if, if someone's watching The Handmaid's Tale and someone's watching, uh, you know, Blank Check on Disney Plus somewhere, is that, does that count what? as a concurrent? How does Blank Check keep coming up? Because it's a great movie. <laughs> I love it. Available. No, I love it. I'm, I'm applauding this. I just can't believe how many times someone's uttered the title Blank Check to me in the past, like, three weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of the many, it's a special many things time. out of the vault that we're, we're, <laughs> we're getting right now. We have it, I, I haven't watched that much content on the app yet, but I will say just scrolling through the endless amount of titles of all these movies that I forgot existed, these Disney Channel original mm-hmm. movies and animated titles. Uh, you, we were talking about the shorts yeah. earlier. There's a lot of fun stuff on I there. Watched, uh, I watched Pearl yesterday for the first time, and what a delight. All the Spark shorts are so, so great. I'm happy that they have a home over here where anybody can watch them whenever they want. You're actually very close with your uh, statistics right there. Uh, four concurrent streams, up to seven user ah. profiles per account. So, yeah. Disney Plus is is embracing password sharing to an extent, which yeah, I think I even I've seen have to. quotes from uh, Disney like higher up saying yeah, yeah. we're aware of it and we're okay with it to a point. Yeah, I mean, it seems like many of the streaming services out there are embracing that to a degree, and there's re- there's really no way around it. And also, I I, I kind of like. Uh, we don't really we didn't really use the Netflix profiles too much, but I like the fact that like my family at a point existed in the same Netflix account and we each had like our own little icon and, you know, just like shared what each other were watching all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's a and also like Disney's a family brand. I feel like that's something that it should embrace. It's true. And I also like this is a much I don't know. I'm touching on a very complicated question about sort of piracy and what the how that can expand the profile of something while also maybe stealing money from something. It's tricky. But what I what I'm trying to say is that Netflix doesn't become Netflix without password sharing to begin with. Yes. It yep. never reaches the point it did unless people are sharing that access. Yeah. I think that they someone at Netflix might have said something to that effect when we covered this a few weeks back. Mm. So I think it's a, a valid point right there. Same thing with Game of Thrones. Correct. HBO yeah. Go. I mean, they, they, they've been very open about it. Like they, they know that people shared all of their logins and at certain points they just had to say, we don't care, but their price point's also a lot higher than Disney. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, we're going to see what we're getting for our money over at Disney Plus right now, specifically in the form of extras, which many streaming services out there do not do. So that in and of itself excites me. But the first topic we're going to talk about right now, as far as deleted scenes go, are the ones available for Avengers Endgame. So just going to throw it out there of the four scenes we have available to us right now. Is there anyone that stood out to uh, either of you? I'm the one, okay, so my take on these and why I always love deleted scenes, why I always love access to bonus features is you, it gives such a a blunt look at how films are refined and made better because when you watch the deleted scenes, you're like, yikes, glad that was deleted. And for me, the big one to that extent was definitely the Tony Stark scene, which Mm -hmm. just doesn't play. And that's also a fascinating look at how acting performances are shaped by editing and music and all of that because you can really see him 
acting like without all of those effects and he's doing a great job but it reads a lot differently uh but the 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 sort of trench scene where they all come together as one that seems like something that should be the highlight of the movie right and it just doesn't work it's a bad idea and i love seeing how they cut it into all these different pieces that make the movie better mm-hmm. yeah I, I i completely agree i think the trench scene would work in almost any other Marvel movie. It feels like a stand, a, a standard in a Marvel movie where they kind of pause the action for some quippy one-liners. And in the final edit, you get these little moments and they, they, they add some levity. They let you reconnect with some of your favorite characters. But when you put them all together, it just, it felt so weird. And watching it on the app with the director's commentary, you can tell that they they were probably sitting in the editing room and they're like, this is not working at all. I thought it was like shocking how, how much it didn't work for me seeing all these moments. And, and even with the director's commentary, you can't really make out every piece of dialogue because the Russos are talking over it, but you can tell just with the actor's facial expressions that it's like someone's just sliding down the trench. <laughs> like, all right, what, what's going on? Where are we going to go? Who, who's fighting next? And meanwhile, everything's happening around them. And I think, uh, I think Anthony said it at the end of the piece. It's like, if they're all in the trench, why is the battle even happening? Yeah, like, I'm surprised exactly. more action filmmakers don't stop and think about that. I understand if it's like an action comedy where it's almost like, you know, a familiar beat to be like, stop for a minute so we can explain our plan to the villain or have a little uh, side conversation. But in watching this, especially seeing just like the first glimpse of it, it seems like Avengers Endgame gold. I got very excited when I saw that unfinished shot of everybody in the same space. But it's really encouraging that the Russos are filmmakers who would get all of those super famous actors together on what is probably a very expensive set yeah. and still be able to say to themselves, yeah, that's not working. We got to put it in the trash. So I give them all the credit in the world for making that decision. And I also, yeah, and I I also think it's very interesting uh, that all of Hulk and the Ancient One scenes were reshot. Yeah. Mm. Like, so there's two deleted scenes on the app where you can kind of see the tone seems a little bit different. She's she's grilling on the roof and <laughs> sipping <laughs> sipping like a tropical drink. Uh, it's just like Tilda Swinton it, just hanging out, which I think is awesome. But it, that sounds like a great show idea. I, I, that's probably <laughs> yeah. coming to Disney Plus at yeah, some point. Is, like exactly. the, the ancient one goes Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think it's uh, u- unique to watch these scenes, and obviously the deleted version. You're seeing some shots of Mark Ruffalo in his mocap suit. You're seeing some comps of like an early CGI version of the Hulk just to kind of like give you some idea of what the spatial relationship's going to be uh, but I mean they're they're very apparent about it like they're open and saying like these scenes weren't working we needed Tilda to uh, deliver a lot of exposition and make it clearer as to what the motivations were, uh, why why you needed to grab the stones, what the what the consequences could be, why you needed to return them, uh, and so they just they built a soundstage, <laughs> a backlot set of the roof, and they just redid everything. Just curious. So I look at those two deleted scenes in particular, and it makes a whole lot of sense to me that that might have been shot one way. And then as you're putting that really complicated information together, it might not seem like the best way to convey all of that to an audience. What would you say to someone out there who is sitting there and thinking, you reshot all of that? Why didn't you just write it and go over it more before you went into principal photography? 
I think they they speak to this even in their commentary. Some it's often when you're sitting in the editing room watching something that you think was a great idea on paper, you watch it and it just doesn't play. That's just I that's that's a process of filmmaking is seeing what you have and analyzing it and going, "Oh no, not that part." And you got to chuck it and you know, reshoots have sort of been talked about a lot, but they've become sort of villainized in the the era of like really nerd-centric blockbuster filmmaking but they've always been a thing and they've never been a big deal i feel like it's we've hit a point where reshoots equal fixing mistake which isn't necessarily always the case it could be honing your craft or making something stronger and we don't usually hear it in that sense but i also don't think fixing a mistake is a bad thing that's what you want filmmakers to do before they give you the movie is to undo what they may have done that wasn't quite right for the material say the trench scene like you said hugely expensive day of shooting probably would file that under a bit of a mistake Mm -hmm. uh that that you you made a great point that probably was not an easy meeting for them to have i think i I say fixing a mistake isn't a bad thing as in like you like you mess that up and it's like it's it goes entirely in the trash whereas Mm -hmm. that's something that they they said this isn't really working but we can do this this and this with it to make it better yeah where, I do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whereas I feel like uh, here's here's a better uh, a better comparison. It's like reshoots equal something crashed and burned and the whole production is aflame now. Right. right. It, yeah. I think a lot of the entertainment news that drives the day uh, kind of looks at looks at those reshoots and says, you know, it's because a director got fired or, you know, we recast the actor or we just, you know, we had to get rid of we're, we're reshooting 75 pages of the, of the film. If you're reshooting 75 pages, that's a different conversation. Yeah. If you're going into additional photography, I, which is a part of every single mm-hmm. film budget now, it's for a multitude of reasons. And I think the biggest one is the editing process. I mean, I've I've made a couple of sp- small, small little movies of my own over the years. And if it wasn't for additional photography, they never would have seen the light of day. The, I actually have a couple in the can that I never released. Like I never showed anyone because I didn't have the opportunity to fix things in the edit and they just didn't work. It, it, it has to, it has to happen. Not necessarily on day one, things look good during a table read. They might even look good when you put actors up on, up on stage and film them. But when you get into the edit, you realize that scene a doesn't match scene B and you need something to bridge the two, or there's a, there's a a huge discrepancy with costumes and you just need to fix it. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it could be a multitude of reasons. I think that additional photography gets maligned so frequently, but when you, when you hear from the directors, there's a reason why it happens. I, I don't know what the original, you know, time like with Tilda Swinton and Mark Ruffalo looked like in its entirety, like within the actual film, but whatever they did in the edit and the reshoots, it made sense Mm -hmm. because the final version I thought was perfect. I thought that the tone worked. It gave me all the exposition I needed and let me go on my way. And they were, you know, they were very apparent about it. Like we, we tried it one way. It didn't work. We rewrote it. We tried it a second way and we found the right tone. Just to backtrack a little, I really do think we need a Collider Film Festival. <laughs> like, I think we should all share our most embarrassing shorts or something from oh. back in the day. Wow. I got I got some footage to show you guys. Yeah, I, it, we'll we'll talk about that. I don't know if I come on. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to to open myself up to those Twitter uh, Twitter comments. So wait, yeah, are exactly. you talking about short films that you made? 
Uh, yeah, well, I made a feature length in college that is what kind of ridiculous. movie is it? It was an action movie. It was oh, kind of like a nice. it was kind of a, a, a loving ripoff of Twenty Four, but as a film, uh, the real time element did not work in a two hour <laughs> format. Let me tell you. Uh, and you know, we we were on a college budget. I don't think there's any any actual effects. Uh, anywhere for anything it's it's yeah it's effects not great are expensive i think effects that's one expensive. of the things i learned the hard way when we decided we were gonna one of my thesis films that we were gonna green screen all the uh, the computers and there were a lot and put that all in in post and just putting like an itty bitty helicopter in the sky at one point we vfxed a helicopter into our short when all we had to do was just have the sound effect of a helicopter in the distance that would have had the same effect you know, and that's and that's one of the things that you, you might not realize until you're in the editing room. Uh, you and live the, and you learn. And the editors make a lot of sense, <laughs> and they they tell you what is working and what's not working. Yeah. All right. We're going to go into a whole new batch of deleted scenes soon for Star Wars, but right now we got to tell you about something really cool coming to Collider later today. It is Cody's Rumor Mill. Check out a promo. Hey guys, it's Riley here. Let me tell you about the Riley Roundtable. You know it, right? It drops every Thursday on Collider Conversations. And I have guests from all across the space. John Roca, Gray Drake, Alexander Desplat came on at one point. We talk everything from movies. We talk about life and everything in between. What do you want to hear? What do you want to talk about? It's the Riley Roundtable every Thursday on Collider Conversations. You get it there. See, if I were sitting in the edit room right now, I might have redone that promo because it didn't work in the final cut of Movie Talk. It's, it's terrible. But you know what? We can't do that because we do this show live. And that's what makes it fun and exciting. Let's talk about Star Wars deleted scenes now to make me feel a little better. So one of the cool things about Disney Plus is that they have the original trilogy in 4K. And on top of that, Disney Plus is a service that gives us a whole bunch of extras. And in the case of these three movies, we got some not necessarily never before seen deleted scenes, but never before seen in this quality. So we watched a whole bunch of deleted scenes of all of the Star Wars ones you guys watched. Which one was your favorite? Which one stood out the most? Anything at all? I mean, it has to be going to Tashi Station yes. to pick up some power converters. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never, I'm sure this bootleg has been around forever. I've never actually sought it out. I, I'm not, I'm not someone that, you know, jumps into deleted scenes uh, and tries to find every single one I can uh, because I kind of, <laughs> along, along the same lines as Haley, if, if it's not there, it's for a reason. Uh, so it was really interesting to finally see the full Tashi Station scene uh, and see exactly why it's not in the movie. I understand the concept of like, we need to humanize Luke and, you know, give these characters uh, some backstory and, 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 help flesh out who they are and what their motivations are, but it just doesn't work at all. It's, it slows everything down. The, the, the stuff with the rebellion doesn't make sense. Obviously the dialogue doesn't match a lot of the ways that they mm -hmm. refer to the rebels and uh, the empire over time because they didn't really know what the names of all this stuff was. I don't know if he was still star killer when they filmed this scene uh, or if they had actually changed his name already to Skywalker uh, so they just don't reference his last name at all in this, but you know, it's just, it doesn't need to be there. I didn't even think about that until just now. <laughs> it, it definitely doesn't need to be there, but I enjoy still getting to see something like this. There's something about giving like a little context to his life there and you know, what kind almost like his circle of friends 
is like and what his place is in that little social structure that I really appreciate getting the chance to see. But it's got no place in the movie unless, if anything, you beefed it up. If anything, I think you needed more of that to make it work. But then again, I don't think you needed to add anything to that movie. So I'm happy this exists and I got to watch it. But one of the many that deserves to be in this section of the menu. Yeah, it's one of those things where I didn't, I didn't have a particularly strong reaction to any of the scenes like, man, I wish that was in the movie. Mm-hmm. That's very, very rare. But I do think that this is like a major selling point for Disney Plus as a platform to give access to this kind of content, which, as you mentioned, is not something a lot of streaming services are doing. It's also they have these, these titles that are like, you can release this scene that you've been wanting to see for like your whole life, and now it's just there at your fingertips even jumping back to avengers logging on to see that the full commentaries available Mm -hmm. was very exciting for me i am so sad about the lack of commentaries that we get these days it's basically free film school so if disney plus can help bring some of that back and who knows in my in my pipe dream world maybe they go back and they record new commentaries for older movies that didn't get one for their home video release that could be something really valuable and that's a huge selling point for a very crowded streaming market yeah i mean i um, i have the wizard of oz restoration on my brain now too it's just like it's so well worth revisiting it and also getting commentary from so many different fields within the film industry too i don't know maybe this is just me not looking at a streaming service the right way but rather than you know everything going on you know one blu-ray disc it feels like they have the whole damn world at their fingertips and how difficult is it to record a commentary and just add it to another menu like this so i wish they would do even more and I also hope some of the other services out there will follow suit. I think it's only a matter of time before everybody tries to catch up to anything that anybody else that's a competitor is doing differently. So if anything, I think one of the best things about Disney Plus having all this material is that it's going to encourage other streaming services who haven't before to include extras. And I want them from many of my favorite Netflix shows. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I certainly hope so. Yeah, I would love to see. I would love to see some extras on a lot of these other services. I think that maybe there are some things that Disney can do that other services can't. I mean, with their film vault and their resources. Uh, I mean, Netflix is probably more in the business of the amount of content that they're uh, that, that they're going for. I mean, you could you could argue that the commentary is an additional piece of content that someone might want to see, but it also might be crowding their space where they're in the business of, you know, launching new titles every four days. You just get more more stuff mm-hmm. stacked upon each other. But even more so, even more so than crowding their space, I feel like. I feel the same way about, you know, uh, talent that goes on Instagram and posts behind the scene pictures. I feel like nowadays with so much content out there, you need to create that rabid need for more, more, more. And the more content, the more behind the scenes content you have. I mean, look, look at Stranger Things and look at all those kids and how many how many people follow them on Instagram. Do you know how many people would go on Netflix and watch endless deleted scenes and then fall even more in I don't know maybe that's just me and the way my mind works but the more I live with a specific movie a show characters I love like the more it has a hold on me and I feel like that would benefit every streaming service out there to just create more and more 
you know, I don't even like the word rabbit. I mean, super passionate, dedicated fan bases that will keep coming back no matter how much you release within that franchise. We're seeing uh, HBO Max approach sort of what you're talking about in a different way in the sense of um, channeling the popularity of the stars and oh, the yeah. creators through their, their recommendation series where they have their talent recommend their favorite movies that are available on the streaming service. And that's another interesting approach to the same idea although i do find the bonus content much more valuable there is something interesting about being like oh what's bill Hader's recommendation for what i can stream right now <laughs> no that's a that's a good point i kind of i wish that uh i mean i can't say i wish that more would do that as well until i actually see yeah. what that's like i'm curious to know you know what the restrictions are or if it's just you know across any genre because it makes sense to me like if you like barry you will like this well, the one that they showed off in the presentation was Zach Efron recommending The Exorcist. So uh, I yes, don't yes. think it's genre specific. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I could do a little like six degrees of Kevin Bacon yeah. to get Zach Efron back to The Exorcist, kind of. No, I'd love to hear it. I mean, yeah, good on you. If you I can play that, that game for days. All right. Let's save some time for a whole... B oh, wait. We should probably talk about more deleted scenes. I just realized we didn't even talk about Empire or uh, Return of the Jedi. There were, there were some interesting uh, scenes in the, uh, in the rest of the original yeah, trilogy. Yeah. The, the one that I thought that spoke to me the most was in Return of the Jedi. and It was an alternate version of the, the scene in Darth Vader's chamber mm. where he speaks out to Luke and then it actually fades he says luke's name i think it would have been the first time in the film that we would have heard luke's name if they had left this in and then it fades to luke in a cave outside of jabba's palace and we see him putting the final yeah. touches on his green lightsaber and he actually ignites it for the first time uh and i think it was interesting because you can look at that as and say oh that would have been an interesting moment for the audience to cheer for luke for the first time in the film but Probably in the edit, it made sense to hold that and to hold that cheer for that first time he gets the lightsaber from R2 mm. in the fight on the barge. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to kind of pull back a little bit and let that mystery uh, it continue. So I thought that was an interesting alternate version, uh, more so than, say, Aunt Beru pouring a glass of blue milk. <laughs> blue milk. That, <laughs> that was, was an entire such, scene. That was such a random thing to include. I mean, I mean I, yeah, I guess like it was it, just an alternate take. It's cool, like, world building, I guess, to see how the kitchen works and where stuff is. I don't know. I'm trying to make an excuse for it now, but was there the was no need to have that. Was it the only time in the entire filming that they used the kitchen set? Like, did they build the kitchen set and say, well, we need to shoot something here. Let's just have her pour a glass of milk to start the scene. I feel like, uh, I mean, now I might just be picturing them at the table, but I feel like that there was something else. I think she just, I think the kitchen's just off in the background. I never, I don't think we've ever, I never saw that close up of the kitchen as far as I can remember. So we get lightsaber stuff in uh, the Return of the Jedi deleted scenes, blue milk in A New Hope, and then Empire is basically all romance. <laughs> Well, all romance and the, the, the Wampa scene, too, which I kind of did like that. The idea of them being frozen into the walls and kind of, uh, you know, blasted. It almost had like a horror movie effect to me. And, you know, I'm always going to gravitate towards something like that. Mm. But uh, the, the romance stuff, I mean, the, the Luke and Leia stuff had to go. There was no question about that. <laughs> well, but did they even know that at the time? I mean, they didn't reveal it yet. But like how much, like when, at what point, because it was written into his script and then it, uh, they shot it all. And then that at what is... point were, was George like sitting there with, with Kasdan and, and the editors and saying like, uh, we should probably cut some of this back. 
I haven't told you everything, but I've got an idea. It's it's really it's it's so backwards and jarring to watch it knowing what the results yeah. are and then having to go back and see these scenes. But that's probably one of the most interesting things I think about um, the Star Wars deleted scenes in particular is how many like major details have changed. I can't remember specifically which one it was. It obviously had to be something in A New Hope, but. I think uh, someone doesn't someone reference uh, Luke's dad at some point. The, the scene with Biggs in the uh, out. Oh like, yeah, yeah. In the rebel base. That's what it was. And they they that's, they cut, yeah, they the, cut the line of Anakin Skywalker yeah. out of it, even when that scene was reinserted into the yeah. special edition. Which that's my biggest question is at what point? I know. Every, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this. At what point does Disney Plus? release the original mm. versions as a bonus feature on the service. Do they wait until the 50th anniversary of Star Wars? Do they hold them out until all nine films in the Skywalker saga are on the platform? Like, do they wait for a lull in the franchise? So in I was going to say, movies? maybe that's their hiatus move because we've got those two years in between. Yeah. Maybe it's Maybe. a straight up guess, I but mean, it, there'll be a window for people to need a Star Wars obsession. Right. It is incredible how many th- how many things keep changing. I mean, really, the the Greedo stuff is like I couldn't yeah. believe when another article about that popped up. And it was George. Like he just keeps <laughs> tinkering with that Greedo scene. It's, like he's cl- it's clearly been a scene that's bothered him ever since he shot it. Like he he he's clearly got a uh, a hang up with it where it just he can't find the right beat and the right tone that he wants to set and so he just keeps tinkering with it every little every time he has the opportunity i can't tell if i'm rooting for him to keep tinkering with it and find (laughs) that pitch perfect solution that just like puts his soul at ease or for him just to put his hands up and give up at this point well i think that's what he did when he sold the company he's like i can't fix greedo anymore so i I kind of over this and i picture him i picture him just like sitting there and tweaking it by himself somewhere though Uh, Yeah, maybe. Because, like, how many filmmakers, like Haley, especially you, have you spoken to that say that, like, they could keep going on and on with films? So this is the thing they always say, is you never finish a film, you just leave it behind. Yeah. He won't leave it behind, which I'm not sure if that's making anyone happy, including him. (laughs) But it's, I mean, it seems that the filmmakers I've talked to... uh, are, are happier when they let the movie go and move yeah. on to their next movie. Yeah, I would definitely believe in that. But I feel like any form of art, even even just like a piece of writing down to a review, like I, I don't leave very many things behind. Yeah. Like if, if you knew you're all, going back into WordPress and tweaking your stuff all the time. No, I'm thi- that's what that would be. No, I'm thinking about it and thinking about how much like that crappy review could have been better. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll well, basically we all do that. Keep, keep me up at night for the rest of my life. I will never sleep. <laughs> but at least I have Disney Plus now. To at watch least you've only written hundreds of reviews. <laughs> oh, <know>, really? <laughs> but one day I'm going to go back and reread some of my first stuff. But thank God it's only a, a peeps diorama uh, post on Collider.com. Yes. My very first Collider.com article was for Easter in 2012, I believe, and it was an article about photos that someone took of uh, Peeps dioramas that reflected movie scenes. That sounds like a very McClunky article. That's where it all... (laughs) Very appropriate. That's where it all started. All right. Let's get into some of those live chat questions because we do have a lot of them here. Um, Let's start with Jermaine Brown, who wants to know, what was the first thing you watched on Disney Plus? Uh, well, I was having a hard time casting it to my television when I just downloaded the app before the app was available on my TV. 
So I wasn't able to watch The Mandalorian until the next morning. Uh, so while I was waiting for that, I did turn on High School Musical, the musical, the series, mm. because my wife lived in Salt Lake for six months working on the, on the, on this, on the show. So uh, she was, you know, very excited to see it up on the, uh, on the screen. So we watched a little bit of that and saw how they finally edited the, uh, the, the promos at the very end. And yeah, it was fun. I can't wait to watch that. It's quite entertaining. I, know, and I don't I, just say that because she was involved. I it have heard really, many good things. You have bias. I, I, I'm the, I'm the only <laughs> di- true Disney shill in the office because I'm actually get, we actually get paychecks from Disney, but uh, they, you know, it is actually a very entertaining show. It's, it's like had my attention ever since Disney plus. Cause I, I ever since uh, D 23, because I thought that was the best part of the Disney plus presentation there. There you go. Yeah. What'd you watch first? You wrote some reviews. Yeah, I was going to say, like, my stuff that was counts. for work, does it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it wouldn't have been my, like, first, if I logged on, it wouldn't have been the first thing. The first thing I watched was my press screen of Noel. Okay. Uh, the first thing I watched for work was Encore, which is fascinating. <laughs> um, it's super dark, and I don't think they mean it to be, and I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, Wait, dark how so? Like, they put the characters back... The whole idea is that the, uh, they take adults and put them back in their high school musicals and reunite them on stage. Um, and they give them five days to do their musical, and the, they spend one hour with each of these casts who are doing the musical. But by putting ki- these people back when they were kids in high school, they bring up some really dark stuff and deep emotions, but they do not have time to process it or give <laughs> anything the attention it deserves. Oh, boy. So it's just very strangely bleak because someone will be like oh, i don't want to shave my head for this role and i was like why are you being a pill and it's like well it reminds me of when i had cancer and was gonna die whoa, whoa. yeah and then it's like next scene <laughs> like there's just no time to process anything it's very strange so i'm a little obsessed with it for that quality that's really interesting because it, it actually debuted as a pilot on abc like two Ooh, years ago during huh. the during the christmas season uh where they staged into the woods and it wasn't trying to unearth those dark stories it was trying to do uh kind of like backstage romances and drama there's still some of that happening for sure it didn't it didn't work for me as a pilot in that respect but i did almost get cast in the show because they almost picked my they did almost pick my high school uh to uh to to restage fame the musical which is a terrible show don't ever produce fame the musical it it does not work in 2019 so, at all that i'm willing to get rid of my collider film festival idea if we could do like collider home video festival where we <laughs> nope. unearth footage of fame fad no yes. no 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 i'm no. way more in favor of this i, I love I played, this I, I played the old man in every every musical we did because <laughs> they could easily excise that person's musical number from the show without it upsetting the story Spectacular. Yeah, I kind of love this. Now I really want to see it even more. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, Encore. Encore. Oh, and first, oh. first, first watches on Disney+. Plus. First watches. My first oh, yeah, uh, yeah. watch that I, I chose was Noel, actually. Oh, just, really? Oh, yeah. Did you I'm, like it? I enjoyed it just fine. Yeah. It's it's trying to do Elf, and it doesn't do it as well. Yeah. That's, but it's she's very funny. She she's very she was perfect casting for yeah. that role. I was I was a little um, disappointed by how they seemed to have just given up on the the digital effects. Oh my goodness! <laughs> they're, 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 they're <laughs> something. Yeah, they are. Uh, first Same thing. for Lady and the Tramp, though. Oh really? There's really? some dodgy effects okay. in there. That's Not as many. One of the next on my list. But the cats are a oh. problem. As in the cats don't look as good as the dogs? 
Yeah, well, yeah. Do they look better than cats, the trailer? Ooh, that's a big Ooh, question. That's a tough, I mean, what what are you looking for, Thad? <laughs> I mean, what is the level of good when it comes to CGI cats in 2019? The, the cats in the cats trailer look more convincing as whatever the heck they are, whereas okay. these cats look like very 1998 CGI. Ooh, yeah. that's disappointing. Or maybe yeah. 2002. Maybe, I mean, too Okay, all right, well, if it's yeah, 2002 yeah. CGI, then that's all right. I can, I can get behind that. First thing I watched was Mandalorian after... Oh, I watched Noel, yeah. There was no way I was coming to work yesterday without having seen that first episode because there is no doubt in my mind that someone would have said something and I would have been bummed about it. TMZ had a screenshot of the final spoiler no! shot on their headline and I was scrolling through the news. Luckily, I'd already seen it, but I was scrolling through the news app on my phone and I saw it and it was just like, that's that's the image you chose? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. What a, you, what a bummer. You couldn't search the word Mandalorian yesterday morning without all of those articles oh, showing up yeah. in the search results. So I apologize to anyone at home that had it spoiled for when you. When did TMZ lose their class? I know, man. They, were, they really used to be. It. Their entertainment reporting That's was such a always bummer. like right like, here. My heart truly breaks for folks in other territories who just don't have access yet. Yeah. And yeah. there's nothing you could do for a little while except do your best to avoid things. It's just, I wish outlets like that had that in mind. The UK doesn't get it until March. I know. I know it's crazy. I yeah. know. I feel for them. Yeah. That's like for them. Maybe our number one Twitter reply on everything Disney Plus oh, is yeah. people just like in agony that they don't have it yet. It's not, it wasn't my call. I, yeah. I, I talked to Bob and he wasn't able to, Soon to change enough, it. enough, I can guarantee you we're going to keep covering all of it so you can be part of the conversation when you get Disney Plus. I'm sorry. All right. One more question. This is an interesting one because I saw this news drop this morning. Dylan Berry is asking, with Netflix getting Nickelodeon properties and creative outlets to create more content, does this keep Netflix at the top of the streaming mountain? I think the the Nickelodeon deal actually does weigh pretty heavily. It's just the fact that Disney is this like gigantic juggernaut that's going to be very difficult for anybody to compete with, no matter how many relationships you make. Yeah, that's an interesting question because, I mean, you've got Nick's library is very extensive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a combination of animated titles that have stood the test of time, uh, live action stuff that's appealing to kids today, and then nostalgia like the SNCC content mm -hmm. that our generation is I excited about. I will watch that. I haven't and heard SNCC out loud since I was like 13. I just couch? flashed back. Where's that orange couch? Oh my uh, God. But speaking of, speaking of SNCC, I just saw this morning that they, they're canceling the Rugrats movie. Oh. oh, really? Yeah, they're scrapping it all together. They were they were going to mm. do a uh, do a new Rugrats film. They've canceled that, and they've they've shifted around their release dates on a lot of other I'm stuff. I'm fine with that as long as they fill that void with either a live action Doug, which should happen, <laughs> or uh, an Ah Real Monsters yeah. reboot movie. Bring them back in like uh, you know CG character form, something about something like that. I just want that friend. I want back. more monsters always, so yeah. let's do that one. I had a feeling you were okay we, with that. We <laughs> who determine things at Netflix <laughs> and Nickelodeon yeah. shall choose that one. We I will say for Netflix, something I noticed the first time I logged on to the Disney Plus platform was that it is, as you'd expect, extremely Disney. Like, there is no variable there. Everything fits in a tonal niche, and I think that's going to work in Netflix's favor because I was excited to explore that tonal niche, but I was also like, this could grow old quickly if you're in the mood for, say, a horror movie mm -hmm. or a dark science fiction or something a little weirder. 
you're not going to be able to find that there. And I think that Netflix has made itself a really strong home for adult genre content. That's true. I, although I was telling Thad, Pearl has some uh, jokes that I assumed weren't very Pixar appropriate in oh. it. So that was that was a little like adult and different. I was surprised nice. to see that. <laughs> I mean, but he's, uh, he's, they're not they're not getting into horror anytime soon. We're not going to see Sense8 on Disney+. No, Plus. no. no we're not. No, no, no we're, we're not. not. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, yeah, the, the, there, there's a place for everyone. I think Disney Plus is really setting it up where they want you to get that bundle because mm-hmm. they want to say like, all right, well, if you're into adult content, go mm-hmm. for Hulu. Yep. Uh, now all of FX is moving to Hulu. Yeah. They're creating uh, a bunch of original adult-themed content, whether it's Handmaid's Tale, The Wu-Tang Show, uh, Rami, which is an excellent uh, single-camera comedy, uh, Shrill. They've got, a lot of, they've got a lot of stuff there for a wide swath of, uh, of, of audience members. So I think they're really saying, like, yeah, Disney Plus is for families, but that's not all we have. Go get that bundle, because that's the bundle point. is still cheaper than Netflix. If you do mm-hmm. the Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN bundle, if it's Hulu with ads... I think it's still only thirteen ninety nine, at least for now. Huh. And Netflix is, I think, what fourteen or more if wow. you have the the multi login version, which most people default to. Yeah. And HBO is fifteen dollars. Apple's only like six bucks because they've got nothing. Uh, <laughs> I canceled mine within a week, which so their plan's not going <laughs> to oh, no. work at all. I'm really loving the morning show. I'm enjoying their content, oh, really? but there's nothing on there. I finished Dickinson, and then I was like, "There's nothing else to watch." Bye. I I, I, I got a I got a trial subscription that's going to last for a little while, and I I don't know if I'm going to be a paying customer. But I haven't heard the hottest things about morning show. I did really want to watch it, but then all of a sudden, when I heard negative things, and there's so much else to watch, I didn't. The pilot so so. I didn't like Reese Withers spoon in the pilot but by the time i got to the third episode which they gave you the first three mm. at launch day uh i was in and the fourth episode was incredible Ooh. so it I really it's it's upping the ante but i hear that it takes like a weird twist in episode 10 oh. to end the season so i'm really bizarrely looking forward to seeing what this like jump the shark moment's gonna be there's yeah. no room for more tv binges in my life until i'm finished with succession and now i'm halfway through uh season two I don't oh. ever want it to end. Yeah. It's so good. It's fantastic. It's so I good. recommend that to anyone that wants a really uh, good television pinch. All right. As though you don't have enough to watch, go watch Succession as well. Thad, Haley, thank you so much for being here today and talking a whole bunch of Disney Plus with me. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. Thank you, as always, for your hard work. To everybody out there, like and share this episode of Collider Movie Talk. And then there's only one place to go after this. Collider Live, they kick off at 10 a.m. PT, and we are back bright and early tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Pacific for a brand new movie talk. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. 
State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 